Morning, brothers and sisters. We've already been very blessed during our time together here. We had the blessing yesterday of going out to the apple orchard and getting many apples. Coming back home and have a wonderful love feast. And sharing our precious Lord's life together one with another in a wonderful spirit of fellowship. And it is a blessing to be able to gather this morning to remember our Lord. Because as we come from many different places, many different backgrounds, many different temperaments, we gather together in the precious oneness that the Lord has made us. And what a joy it is to be able to gather every Lord's Day to put Him in remembrance. As we were together last night, we were sharing something of the crisis of the days we're living in. And how through this the Lord is bringing a people together. Because there are many things that are being shaken. But those things that can't be shaken will remain. And so in a similar spirit, we wanted to continue this morning. I'd like for us to turn to a very encouraging verse in 1 Corinthians 15. As we find ourselves in times of crisis, we find ourselves in times of transition and challenges. The Lord has a precious word to us. We look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The last verse of this chapter. The Lord writes to each and every one of us. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Let's have another word of prayer. Lord, we are thank you, so thankful that you haven't left us helpless in these times of trial. And Lord, we thank you too that you just haven't even provided just a little band-aid way to fix things up. But you have provided a complete provision in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we come unto your word today, we present ourselves afresh unto you. Lord, that you would have a freedom to speak within all of our hearts. Where we might find ourselves discouraged. Where we might find ourselves distressed. Where we would find ourselves even fainting in these days. Lord, speak to our hearts and strengthen us in the power of your resurrection life. That we could continue serving the Lord each day of our life. In thy precious name. You know, in these days of trials and crisis and afflictions that we're in, 
One of the things the enemy is trying to do so marvelously with his techniques is to discourage us so greatly. He's trying to discourage us and knock us out of the race. And so in many ways, we could say that these are dis days. In English, there's a little prefix to this word discourage. My brother said, be easy on me today. We're on higher ground. We're pressing on. These are dis days. We're not going to be discouraged. So challenge him right away. But no, we, we find ourselves, the enemy is trying to bring in such a spirit of discouragement. Because in English, this little prefix dis, means to invalidate or deprive something of what it should be. So the enemy tries to bring in discouragement. Disbelief. He wants us to discontinue. He brings in disappointment. Brings in disunity. So many things within these days. With the whole thought and purpose of knocking us out of the race. But what is the Lord's answer to us in these days? What is his encouragement? It's this verse right here. Therefore, in the midst of all of these challenges, be steadfast and immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And be encouraged that you would know that your labor is not in vain in him. Now this verse, it starts off with that word, therefore. Which always means that we look back to what has preceded. What's been before that we can enter into the reality of it? If you look back to the verse before that, this great verse of victory, it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How can we continue steadfast, immovable? Because of His victory. The victory that we remembered this morning. Because of all that's provided in Him. We can continue on. But is that all it refers to? This verse is at the end of this marvelous chapter on resurrection. And praise God that it's because of His resurrection life. Because of the life that has been provided to us. We can continue steadfast and immovable in the Lord. But does it even stop there? As I was looking upon this book of 1 Corinthians, I was drawn back to the very beginning of it. Look back at how Paul starts this letter. We look back at 1 Corinthians 1 starting in verse 4. Paul gives a great word of exhortation to these dear ones in Corinth. 
really when we read these verses, if we know something of the condition of people in Corinth, we always have to ask, were these verses written to those really there in Corinth? Because these verses, they're such a beautiful description of who these ones are. And then you get into the rest of the letter and you see all of their problems. But look how the Lord looks upon these dear ones. Paul offers this thanksgiving starting in verse 4. It says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ. Jesus. That in everything you were enriched in Him in all speech and knowledge. And even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you. So that you are not lacking in any gift. Awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a, what a precious work the Lord had done in these ones. But we know that they had ended up being unfaithful to the call they had upon their life. The Lord had provided everything to them on one hand. But their lives weren't reflecting this. Paul is writing this letter to bring them back to that simplicity and purity of their devotion to him. And he comes in in a very practical way to address their problem. And he starts this great letter with this precious testimony in verse 9 he says God is faithful through whom you were called into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord God is faithful all of the problems that he'll start talking about there in Corinth we come back to this verse, God is faithful. Not only is God is faithful, but He has called us into this precious fellowship. This fellowship of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at this letter to those in Corinth, I like the phrase that G. Campbell Morgan uses. He calls these two verses that we have read, looked at this morning, this one, 1 Corinthians 1 1.9, God is faithful whom has called us into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And this verse that we started with in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. As the book ends to this letter. Every problem that they would face. 
This was the secret. Brothers and sisters, we can learn this also to be encouraged. Because as we look at these two verses together, God is faithful by whom we've been called into the fellowship of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. How this addresses every problem of life. Do we ever even stop with this little phrase, God is faithful? Does it become so familiar to us? Does it just roll off our lips? Does it just become a bumper sticker? Or do we ever stop and meditate upon the faith? Faithfulness of our Lord. Every Sunday as we take the Lord's table. What a precious opportunity it is to be reminded of the faithfulness of the one who first loved us. And not only do we see his faithfulness, Phillips describes this faithfulness as one who is utterly dependable. But we see beyond this faithfulness the calling that each and every one of us has been brought into. This precious fellowship of being brought into this relationship with His Son. And in these days of discouragement, how this can really be used to strengthen us. Particularly as we're together as brothers and sisters. We can feel left out. We can feel unappreciated. We can feel no one cares for me. Look at all that I did for that brother or sister. They didn't even notice. Look how faithful I was in getting the chairs set up. Nobody appreciates me. Look at how many apples I picked yesterday. I picked so much more than them. And they're there sitting those eating those wonderful pies that were baked last night. See, we got the reward of our labor. Apple crisp. Apple and pumpkin pies. Every way, every way an apple could be fixed. We enjoyed the reward of our labor. And we knew yesterday that our labor was not in vain. Because we enjoyed the goodness of it. And it's even that much more so in our Lord Jesus Christ. Because He has brought us into such a precious place. When we find ourselves looking upon ourselves in such a spirit of discouragement, being downcast, feeling unappreciated, do we ever stop and simply come back to this verse in 1 Corinthians 1 1.9? God is faithful. He's brought us into this precious fellowship. And how this verse is used to readjust all of our perspective of life. Because it's not a question of if our brothers and sisters will disappoint us. 
It's only a matter of when and how many times. But how do we keep going through that? It's coming back to our foundation. Of looking and knowing of the wonderful fellowship that we've been brought into in the faithfulness of our God. Look at all the problems that those in Corinth had. They had problems of division. What was Paul's answer to the division? Brought them back to God is faithful. Remember what you've been called into. And as you remember this, you be steadfast and immovable, faithful unto him. Whether he was addressing issues of immorality, whether he was addressing the issues of where they were abusing their liberty, whether he was addressing the marriage issues and the disorder within them, his answer to every crisis was God is faithful. And we've been brought into this precious fellowship. Therefore, as we look unto Him, we continue steadfast and immovable in the work that He has called us unto. Too often we rely upon our own ways of handling things. Our own mentality in solving problems. And we forget the way that He works. May in a very fresh way the Lord bring us back to the joy of knowing the faithfulness of our God. Not in some abstract saying, but the faithfulness of God working every day within our daily lives. God is jealous and He's just yearning through His Son to show how practical His life is in everyday choices that we make. And would we not lean to our own understanding? But allow Him to come into our lives in the freshness of that and lift us up to that higher ground. And not walk among the gutters of this world. Look back over at that 1 Corinthians 15, 58. As we look at this verse, I love the way that Paul starts it all. And remember, if we look at this letter to Corinth, some of the ways that they had even spoken of Paul. We know there were some divisions there. And Paul has even said, look, some of you say you're of Paul, some of you say you're of Peter, some of you say you're of Apollos. So that means some of them had rejected Paul's teaching. They were showing Peter or Apollos a favoritism. But in spite of this, how does Paul address them? He doesn't say just my brethren. He refers to them as my beloved brethren. A great term of affection, a term of endearment. As he, as he cries out to them. He's talking to them in such a precious, dear way. 
And it brings us to the question. When we look upon our brothers and sisters, do we look upon ones as beloved brethren? In the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the battles of life, do we see one another as beloved brethren? Oh, this was how Paul looked upon ones who even rejected him. This is how Paul even referred to Peter. In, I'm sorry, this is how Peter referred to Paul. If you look in Peter's second epistle, he says, My beloved brother Paul. Now, this is so precious because if you remember back in Antioch, Peter was starting to side with some of the Judaizers. And Paul came into him. And Paul didn't even call him off to the side and quiet. And public Paul got right in his face. And he said, Peter, you know better than this. Straighten up. It was a public rebuke and a humiliation to Peter. To wake him up and bring him back to his senses. But how does Peter refer to Paul? My beloved brethren, as we look upon one another, it's so easy to, to drop that word beloved. We all know we're brethren. And some of us wonder how one another got into this place. How could the Lord even save this person? But it's amazing how the Lord saves people that don't even like the Yankees. I had to get in one Yankee line this today. So. But the Lord brings us all together. And the precious testimony that we have so is, our, is that display of the life of the Lord's love amongst one another. In the spiritual, there is a great testimony of oneness that we have in Him. But what is the visible expression of the testimony of Christ within our midst? The visible expression of the testimony of Christ is when the love of the brethren is seen one to another. It's not just a teaching. But it's actually lived out and displayed one to another. When ones look upon people that are so different, ones look upon people who even they know in the past they had problems and differences. But when they see the love of Christ displayed in a very practical living way, it's something they can't deny. It's not just enough for us to know of the teaching of the testimony of Christ. Even it's, that is so essential. 
But the Lord's desire is that it would be impacting our lives, that that testimony would be seen in a very visible way within our lives, one with another. And this is what Paul was encouraging those ones in Corinth to display. The way through the crisis that they have is being brought back to the one who first loved them. And if Paul could write to them and call them beloved brethren, and Paul just wasn't using a poetic phrase. Oh, I genuinely believe he was writing this from his heart. Desiring to encourage them in such a that is, they pressed on this way together. Together they could be steadfast and immovable in this hour. When it speaks of this steadfast and immovable, the steadfast means to stand firm, to be seated firm with what's coming against you. In a positive way, this means standing for the truth. Standing for everything that God has entrusted unto us. We know that in the days we're living in, there are many challenges coming against who the Lord is. There are many challenges about who He is and what He has done. There are many challenges about the call upon our lives. But the call to us is to be steadfast in the truth that we have been brought unto. That we be steadfast in the faith that we have in Him. We should be steadfast in the hope that we have in Him. And we be steadfast in His love. That we be unchangeable in these days of uncertainty and relativity. Because we know there's so much, there's an onslaught that's coming against the teachings of our Lord. There was a saint that lived many centuries ago. His name was Thomas Aquinas. And he had a prayer. He said, Lord, give me a steadfast heart. That no unworthy affection drag me downward. That no tribulation wear me out. And no unworthy purpose lead me astray. He wanted that steadfast heart. 
Because he could see in his life there were many unworthy affections that were trying to draw his heart away. Many of the tribulations of life were trying to wear him out. Sometimes we can get worn out in this battle. That's one of the great tactics of the enemy. It's simply trying to wear out the saints. And quite often this wear, the wearing out occurs upon those that are being most faithful. And why are they getting worn out? The ones that are being faithful can get worn out because so many of the rest of us are just spectators. We see, when I, I've been in business for about 35 years. And one, of the, one of the things you learn in business is if you want something done, and you want it done right, find the busiest person there, and give it to them. And you find the busy people, because they're responsible. This mentality can carry over within the assembly. We have faithful ones that are having the call of God upon their life and they want to be responsible. And through all of the battles and the trials, they're in there waging war in their prayer closets. They're there encouraging the brothers and sisters. They're visiting the saints. But we're only flesh and blood. We can get tired. And so, so what, is, what is our answer for many of these that are doing so much? We say, oh Lord, well brother, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. The Lord strengthen you. And we should pray for one another. But the Lord is also wanting us to come alongside that brother. That many would be raised up. That together we go on in this hour of serving the purpose of God. And not just carelessly, unconsciously leaving it to a few. Oh, would that the Lord raise up once. Now, yesterday we didn't have any problem getting everybody to pick apples. Except Maurice. He was trying to get out of it. But in his faithfulness, he came through and picked his apples. And he got to share in the reward also. But why was everybody there together picking apples? Because there was such a camaraderie, there was a spirit of oneness and fellowship there. And there was a goal in view. Do we have that goal in view in our Christian life? Do we, do we know why we're being steadfast and immovable? Do we know why we're abounding in the work of the Lord? Or are we just going through the motions? Oh, the Lord hey, has a great purpose and a call upon our life. 
And so as we see this call that we've been that we've been brought into, it encourages us to be steadfast. And to continue to press on. And if we look at this other word besides steadfast, if we look at this word immovable, this word means to stand and resist. Resist those things that are trying to be moved. And one way it's the negative side. The, the, the steadfastness is the positive. You're standing for the truth and the things of the Lord. And the immovable, you're standing against the things of the world and the enemy. And really, these work together in our life simultaneously. Because quite often as we go through the day, we see how we're having to stand for the things of the Lord. And at the same time, we're resisting the things of the enemy. But often we can just go to one side or the other. We can be standing for the things of the Lord. But are we really allowing, are we standing against the things of the enemy? If we can stand, we can stand for the things of the Lord. But then if we don't stand against the things of the enemy, he comes in and has such a heyday. Or we can stand against all of the evil and the things of the enemy. But if we never bring the Lord in, there's never a solution. So these two are going hand in hand. I understand that over these last months, uh, y'all have been looking through some church history. As you go back to the Reformation times, there were many at the Reformation time they were writing and spending all of their times against the Catholic Church. Ones that had paper after paper and sermon against the Catholic Church. But what they failed to do, they failed to bring Christ in. But praise God, it was one like a Martin Luther. He stood against some of the, he stood against some evil practices. But he also brought in the Lord of the just shall live by faith. He was being steadfast in what the Lord had shown him. And immovable against some of the evil practices. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. This is what we're called into. We're standing for the Lord. Resisting the things of the enemy. That the fullness of Christ can really come in. And as we allow the Lord to, through His life to strengthen us that we can stand steadfast and immovable. <laughs> we can be encouraged to be those that are always abounding in the work of the Lord. That just came out short. That's all. <laughs> I was waiting for you to keep going, but all right. <laughs> That's all right.
But as we think of this matter of always abounding in the work of the Lord, I love how the Holy Spirit puts these words in there. Even a little word like always. Because we're very content sometimes to abound in the work of the Lord on Sunday. Maybe a Tuesday. Maybe a Saturday. But how about those other days? It's always. That's 24-7. That we're being called into this life of abounding in this work of the Lord that He's called us into. Not something sporadic. But displaying the diligence and consistency of His life in our lives. There's a precious story of John Wesley. As we see how he was one who was always abounding in the work of the Lord. As he was stopping one evening at his sister's home. As they were had, they were that evening. The sister asked him a question. She said, "Brother Wesley." If you knew that tomorrow night at midnight you were going to be with the Lord, how would you live tomorrow? And Wesley just answered immediately. He said, Well, I would get up. I would go to my prayer closet. I'd come down, we'd have breakfast. I go to I go out and share the have a morning meeting. Ride to the next town, have an afternoon meeting. Go to this one family's house and have some fellowship with them. Have dinner. Have an evening meeting. Answer my cell phone. And then I would go to sleep. And wake up in glory. He wouldn't change anything. Because he knew he was right in that place. Every day he was abounding in the work of the Lord. And he didn't have to change anything. You know, so often I, when I read that story, I felt very convicted. If they said, Mac, if tomorrow evening you were going to die, what would you do? And I immediately started thinking of the people I needed to call. Maybe some to say a happy goodbye, some to settle up things with. Cancel my whole day so I could spend the day with Stella. Oh, but Wesley, he knew within his heart that every day as he was living, that was lived and he was abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, abounding in the work of the Lord doesn't mean you have to be out preaching. We can be those abounding in the work of the Lord as we're in school. As we're at work. 
我们在家里。As we're caring for one another, as we're raising our children,我们彼此照顾的时候，我们怎么样带领我们的孩童们？We're abounding in the work of the Lord.我们人是竭力多做主工。Because so much of what He's called us unto,因为他是呼召我们的是何等的丰富，is beyond what we categorize at times as Christian work.这是超过我们所认为思想，我们一般人所认为的这种基督的工作。Sometimes we can think our Christian life is confined to meetings. And praise God for what the opportunities we have to gather together. But oh, this is such a small part of the week. And we have such a wonderful opportunity every day of our lives to abound in the work of the Lord. I don't know if there are anybody, uh, any believers that work for Lehman Brothers this year that are, brought, that are believers. But they had a wonderful opportunity this week to abound in the work of God. In a time of crisis, you know, what was seen was the life of Christ coming forth? Or was the fear of man? Our own insecurities. We talked about this last night. The crisis that we have in life. As we're being confronted by so many things. Crisis doesn't build the character. But crisis reveals our character. So every day, whether we're at school or work or at home, what character is being revealed? As we find ourselves abounding in the work of the Lord. And you can notice in this verse, Paul says it's abounding in the work of the Lord. Not the work for the Lord. Now, as we're abounding in the work of the Lord, we'll be doing work for Him. But as our prime motivation is to simply be involved in the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? Our Lord said, It's simply to believe in Him who has sent me. This is an active believing. Entering into by faith that which we've been called unto. Why is this so essential? So that we would know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is such a way that the enemy loves to come and discourage us. He tries to come in and say, all that you're doing is useless. You, as you gather here, you're just a few hundred people. There are millions around here. What value are you? Oh, you're of great value. And as we display the life of our Lord, even though ones would say that all of your labor, it's, you're not accomplishing anything. There's a great work that's being done. 
Nehemiah's testimony was, I'm not coming down, I'm involved in a great work. Now if you looked at it from an earthly perspective, that wall that was being rebuilt was pretty pitiful. It wouldn't be classified by the world as a great work. But Nehemiah saw beyond the scene. saw the great work of God that he's doing. Brothers and sisters, how we need the eyes of our hearts open that we can see the great work that God is doing in this day. This great work of bringing people from every tribe and tongue and nation together to display the beauty of His Son. This great work that He's doing. May this become a reality within us. Because as we know of this reality, this great work that He's doing, we know that our labor is not in vain. So often when we think of laboring, we think of toil and striving and sweating. But do you know what determines whether our labor is just toil and striving and sweating? It's the motivation and goal of our labor. There's a precious testimony of Jacob in the Old Testament. He worked those seven years for Rachel. He said those seven years were as nothing. They were as nothing because he was driven and motivated by love. Do we have the love of Christ constraining us? Do we see this great love that has been bestowed upon us? And that we have been brought in to this great work.
那我们看到最终的这个目的的话，哦，这是如何看到最终的这个目的的话。哦，这是如何看到最终的这个目的的话。哦，这是如何看到最终的这个目的的话。哦，这是如何看到最终的这个目的的话。哦，这是如何看到
It's part of this overall process of that bride being made ready. Do we really see this? Or is our perspective become so narrow? That we just think we're doing it, cutting another stone. Would the Lord open the eyes of our heart? That we would know in this as it says in this verse. That our labor is not in vain. And that's a present tense verb, is. Knowing today that this work that we're doing is of eternal value. It's not just he doesn't say knowing that your labor will not be in vain. One day you'll see all that you're going through wasn't in vain. But do we see the reality of it within our hearts and lives today? That our labor is not in vain. So brothers and sisters, may we, as we find ourselves in these great days of discouragement and distress, May we allow the encouragement of Paul to work within our lives. May we come back and meditate upon these verses. That we could be the people of God. Because I imagine if y'all are a normal assembly, there's ones in here that are ready to just fold your hands up, quit, and pack it away. What value is it? There are ones that are tired. There are ones going through some great distresses. But brothers and sisters, we're all in this together. The Lord, as He calls and encourages each one of us, He wants each and every one of us to know as an individual. And His call to us in this way, as always, He starts out. As the Lord looks at each one of us, the Lord says, My beloved brethren, Beyond even Paul saying that, the one who first loved us said, You're my beloved brethren. Therefore, be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abound in the work of the Lord. That you would know that your labor is not in vain. Why is that? Because God is faithful. And He has brought us into this precious fellowship of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in these days, may the Lord use His Word to strengthen us to press on and thank the Lord that we don't we're not we in many ways we are related with ones that we never see as we come from Richmond over the years you dear brothers and sisters here have been a great encouragement to us 
All assemblies go through great battles and conflicts. But it's so precious at times when the dust might clear for a little bit. In the midst of the battle that there is over the testimony of Jesus. Dust clears just for a moment. You kind of look up and you see. There are those dear ones in Queens that are still pressing on. There are those ones in South Jersey still pressing on. It encourages us. Because one of the things that we can be encouraged by also is that it's only going to get worse. But be encouraged. God is faithful. And he's called us into the fellowship of his son. Therefore be steadfast. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the precious and magnificent calling that you have upon our life. And Lord, we thank you too for the tremendous encouragement we find in your life. And Lord, we want to come back, each one of us today, where we have those areas within our life that we're discouraged, where we're disillusioned, where we're disappointed, and really allow your precious Holy Spirit to come in and bathe us afresh. You would revive us again in the midst of years. That we could be faithful all the way to the end. Lord, we thank you that it was you who first loved us. And we desire that our lives would be lives that reflect your great love. In your precious name, Amen.